Hi, my name is Maurice Bernard, and this is State of Mind. You may know me from my role on General Hospital, but what you might not know is that I've been a proud mental health advocate for over 30 years. State of Mind is a show where I speak about my mental health, my life with bipolar, anxiety, depression, and have guests who share about their life and their mental health. I hope that by listening, you can be inspired, learn about mental illness, and ways to have a healthy state of mind. This is state of mind. This is a uh, this is a, an amazing state of mind. They're all amazing, but this one is a is just. I have somebody. Let me just go. Let me just say it this way. He's not a good actor. He's not a really good actor. He's truly a great actor. And I don't know if, if he knows this or not, but there's been three actors in 58 years on General Hospital who have won lead acting Emmys. And Tyler Christopher is one of them. 58 years. Man. Okay. He's deep. He's intense. He's got skills. And that's just the talent part. Okay. Um, first and foremost, he's my friend. And the fact that he's sitting in this chair is a testament to his determination, will. Uh, a lot of people love him. Every time I, I mention I'm doing Tyler's State of Mind, I swear to God, it's always like, can you tell him I love him? Can you tell? <laughs> Fanola Hughes, Laura Wright, Frank Valentini, Dee Dee, Maura West. Now I'm going to get emotional. How you doing, buddy? I'm okay. Good. I want to talk about your childhood. Okay. I want to. I want to know about your childhood. That's. It's important to me to know what happened, how this all formed, and. Okay, that's a good place to start. Yeah. <clears throat> Had a good childhood. Oh, you did. I did. Wow. In, in in retrospect, yeah. Not so much because I can attest to a lot of the things that I deal with today is because of my childhood. And on paper, it was very good. I was provided for, loved. Mm -hmm. Um <clears throat> however, I had a complex. Uh, and it started off because I, I was an athlete. Mm. Um, before I was a student, actually. And I put my entire life into my athletics. All of it. Wow. However, growing up, <clears throat> I was severely undersized physically. Like football, but you've been football or what we, everything? I was the smallest kid you probably have ever seen in your life. No. Yeah. 
And people, kids made fun of me. I and, didn't know this time. Yeah, kids made fun of me. And, you know, when you're 10, 11, 12 years old, you take things like that very seriously. It hurts. Yeah, it hurts. It hurts. And I know that seems like a very small thing no. to kind of be weirded out about, but I took it extremely seriously. And <clears throat> I was very good at particularly baseball. Ah, right? All right. Um, I... I um, expelled at that and I got recruited to play in college. So I went to college to play baseball. Now in Tyler Christopher's mind, that's just the beginning. I'm going to go to college. I'm going to get drafted. Yes. And I'm going to go play in the major leagues. Right. Damn. However, in order to excel at that level, and I know that you understand this because this is how you treat your your acting, your craft. Yes. yes. You got to work. I know. And I didn't work hard enough. And I put too much into the party life uh, and the fraternity and all of that stuff. And I didn't pay enough attention to practicing and becoming the best baseball player that I could ever. Was it because you were so good at it that you felt you didn't need it to do what needs to be done? My <clears throat> ego, and that's this is yeah, what it is. It's the ego, man. I went to college, right. and I said, this is going to be just as easy as it was in high school. I'm the star. Yeah. This is why they brought me here. But... To be able to play at that level, yeah. you got to change your game. Wow. And how that coincides with my career is when I, you know, General Hospital was my first job, first acting job ever. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. And again, you know, I, I showed up on set. I was, I was, I was very humble. Yeah. However, I thought that well, this is just going to go just how great my audition went. <laughs> uh, and I took it for granted. And I struggled in the beginning. Did you? I did. Oh. P me personally. I mean, yeah, in, yeah. My, in my own mind, I, yeah. I struggled. because I, I, always, I always remembered you as this great actor. Well, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, I didn't feel that about myself. Wow. And how it relates to the baseball story is because I showed up to college thinking that, well, I'm just going to be as good as I was in high school and everyone is going to love me. Ego. Ego. And my first few months on General Hospital felt the same way. Damn. Everyone is going to love me because this is what I do good. And I quickly realized, thank goodness, that if you treat this the same way that you did your college baseball career, you will fail. Yes. And I got help. I learned. I stayed in acting class. I did all of that stuff. Did I did plays. Did pl I did theater for yeah. the first time in, in, in my life, which was very humbling too. 
so I'm anyway, I'm thankful that I had those experiences as a child mm-hmm. failing at athletics because it paid dividends for when I started the show. But as a, as a, I just want to get to as a, maybe I'm trying to get you to be what I went through. And maybe you didn't go through as a child. What I, you know, um, was oh, there discipline? More. Was there discipline as a boy, as a little boy? Uh, how was, how was that situation at home and with your mom and dad? <clears throat> um, you know, my brothers and sisters are much older than me. How so, much? 10, 10 years. No. 10 years plus, 10 years plus. Wow. So essentially I grew up as a, an only child, right? Because, right, right. you know, when I'm eight, nine, 10 years old, my brothers and sisters are 18, 19, 20. Yeah. Different, different genre. Different. Totally yeah. different. So I, I grew up alone basically. And so I had to figure things out for myself. And as an adolescent with this ego, not a good thing because I had to learn the hard way by making mistakes. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, when I went through that time where I was struggling about, like I was undersized and I was too small and I wasn't good enough for anything. I had to figure that out for myself because I didn't have a mentor. Um, you know, my love, love my father, love, love, love my father, but he was a working professional. So he was gone a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I didn't have the luxury of sitting down like we're doing right now and going, how, how, how do you do this, man? How? I didn't have that. And I'm, I'm not resentful because I didn't have that. I'm just telling you what I went through. Exactly. Now, how, how with your kids, did you break that chain? Every day. Every day. You know, again, my, my children don't live with, with me. Right. Okay. Right. They live 3,000 miles on the other side of the country. Right. However, every opportunity I get with my son specifically because he's 12 right now. My daughter's only six. So she doesn't quite get it yet. But with my son, when I speak to him on the phone and I try and talk to him every single day, what I try to say to him is how am I, how can I come across to you to benefit you in a way that I never had? And I, I, I straight ask him, you know, I, I don't just say, hey, Gray, Grayson, that's his name. I, I don't say, hey, Gray, how's, how, how's it going? How's your day? I don't say it like that. I go, how are you? And if he just beats around the bush a little bit, I, I, I stop him. I pause and I say, no, tell me how you are. Wow. And then he gets real with me. Yeah. yeah. And that's an opportunity that, that, that was never afforded to me. So I appreciate it. Even though he doesn't, he's not living with me and I'm not there all the time, you, you know, I, I go home to see him every month. Wow. I fly home every month for three days to see my children. And I, I, I make it a point to look him in the eye and say, how are you? Because I didn't have that. Again, I didn't have a mentor. 
Um, I had coaches that I appreciated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, but they that only goes so far. You know what I mean? So I... But like I, I always say, we see the mistakes we made in our kids. You just, you can see it. I see it. With mine is uh, not affectionate. Hurts me, man. Hurts me. I can't. I don't say I love you. And I know it's never too late, but it's hard, man. Like I say, you know, my daughter Kaylee, you know Kaylee. Yeah. Yeah, I, I remember hugging her and I saw her cringe, man. And I said, damn, that's my fault, right? And then I hugged my other daughter, Cassidy, and it was so sweet, like she really needed it. Now people are probably going, you can do it tomorrow. You know? It's kind of, I'm so happy that you could, you know, the one thing that I've, that I've been able to break the chain on is not physically doing anything to my kids. That I broke and I haven't. But this other stuff, still, it's in my head thinking, thank God they have my wife who does <laughs> all that for me, you know? But for you to do that is, is amazing. Yeah, and I'll give you an example. I was talking to my son, I don't know, six, six months ago or, or, or about, and I asked him, I said, what can I do better for you? Not knowing what kind of answer I was going to get. No, of course. And like a grown man, he says to me, we're FaceTiming together on the phone. That's how we talk. Looks me straight in my eye. And he said, don't talk to me like such an adult. My 12-year-old wow. son said that yeah. to me. And I knew exactly what he meant. Because I try and overcompensate for what I didn't have yes, growing up. Yes. And I, I, I'm constantly telling him, Grayson, what? let's do this. Let's do that. Let's go here. Let's go there. And he doesn't get it. He's 12. Of course. So he told me. He said, stop talking to me like I'm such an adult because I'm not. I said, okay. I had the same moment with my son. I was, he was about eight, nine. And I was, he was a pain in the ass, man. <laughs> I'm telling you, Ty. <laughs> there's a whole story where I was going to break the door down to, <laughs> to get, and finally got in the, in the bathroom and he's like smiling. <laughs> Laughing at you. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, with rage, man. <laughs> but, you know, and he would just, he was that kid. And then finally in the car, one day I'm yelling at him. And I said, I got I to gotta change it up. And I, and I looked at him and I just talked to him like a per, like a, yeah. And I saw him go like this. <laughs> no, he was cool. He, and he, that was the moment that he looked at me and goes, now, now you're talking to me, dad. Because before it was just, I was, I was just being yelling, yelling. And now I just lowered my voice and said, help me, man. Help me. Tell me what I, how I can do this. I can't do it, buddy. And he goes, 
like this, Dad. Yeah. And I said, okay. And then we've been great. It's it, it it's amazing when how we tend to overcomplicate things. I know. And when you bring it down and just ask a simple question, That's it. what can I do better for you? That's it, right. And my young son told me, just stop talking to me the way that That's you talk amazing, to me. man. And that was it. And it's been better ever since. So and you see him every month? Every month. That's every month I fly home to, home, it's not home anymore, but Indiana. And just, wow. And I just hang out. But that's great that you're, you know, I mean, it's not great. You want to see him every day, but then you can see him once a month and still have that connection. Yeah. I'm quickly learning, realizing that how I could really mess this up. Like, what if I didn't go at all? Yeah. Would people blame me? I, I don't know. Right. But every month, I take three days out of my time. Um, and that's what I go do. Wow. Because that's all, that's all I have. Yes. But the great thing about it is they appreciate it. I can see it on my face. Yeah, yeah, of course. Hey, Dad, what's up? But that's my time. Yeah. And they appreciate it. They show up. And we visit for a half a day on a Saturday, a half a day on a Sunday. I get on a plane and I come back here. But what that is, is basically the four-letter word is love, man. It's love that we all have to have. Yeah. And especially with my daughter, who's younger, mm -hmm. I can hear it in her voice that she's hurting because I'm not around all the time. Mm -hmm. Because to her, and I'll only speak for her, she just woke up one day and dad's gone. Where'd he go? Wow. <laughs> it doesn't make sense to her. You know what I mean? And because of what my son told me, don't talk to me like an adult because I'm not. Right. That's how I treat my daughter now. I don't try and explain to her why she wakes up and I'm just not there. Anymore. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. I just don't, I, I just don't say it. I just, like you said, love her. That's it. That's all I do. It's all yeah. I can do. Yeah. I don't have anything else. Yeah. But you probably love them so much better now than you ever could. It's amazing what right? What you can appreciate yes. once it's gone. Yes. <sighs> let me let me say one I'm gonna you know, state of mind always does this. I think it's gonna go over here and it's going all the and it's great. It just goes where it wants. Taking you where you want to go, man. Yeah, it's beautiful. <laughs> um I, I was never talking to you during a pandemic. And maybe, I don't know how honest I was with you. And I don't know how honest you were with me. Uh, I was on the verge of doing myself in every day. So when you would call, I remember one time you called. 
and you were sounding all great and stuff. And I'm dying over here. Like, <laughs> and you had gone through a lot already, right? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I was like, wow, he sounds so great. And I'm like, Duh. but I don't know if I conveyed that to you, how bad I was, or if you could hear it in my voice. You hit it well. I hit it well. Wow. That's interesting. And that surprises me because. I mean, I've known you 25 years. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I, I feel like I can kind of see it on you because I've seen it before. Yeah. You know, we we, we both go through the yeah. same things. Yeah. You know, I, you Tyler's know. bipolar. We're gonna get into some other stuff, but he's bipolar, so he's my he's my BB. That's bipolar <laughs> brother. And uh, so we know each other in that way. But that's interesting because now were you good? When you talk to me on the phone or will you? No. So we both hide it well. Because I thought you were fucked. I think I told my wife. Tyler sounded great. <clears throat> well, let me tell you what's really going on. Yeah, tell me, please. You know, the fact that we share bipolar. Yeah. Right? So you know what that feels like. Oh, good. Okay. I've been... I've, I've, been experiencing it my whole life yeah me personally i'm bipolar mania not bipolar depression i, yeah. I get mania yeah that's what happens so <clears throat> what you heard that day it was a mania it's mania because i overcompensate i know for I know. the bipolar like i'm gonna talk to maurice i'm gonna be really happy i'm gonna be yeah. vocal and i'm gonna be loud and i'm sound. gonna act sound really happy yeah that's that's Maybe. bipolar. Man. I mean, yeah. that's what it is. Yeah. But it's funny that two bipolars <laughs> can't understand that what's going on. I know. Well, maybe because we're bipolar, maybe you know we need to be straight. Or Paula maybe would have figured it out, but we couldn't. I remember that conversation. It's, it stuck with me how good you sounded and how much I was ready to die. <laughs> Literally. And you and you didn't know I didn't know you that well. Wow. That's so. What 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 was going on during that period? Let's say <clears throat> one of my biggest mental triggers in my life is isolation. Wow. Okay. And since my accident, and we can talk about that too. Yeah. You can see the scars in my head. Since my brain surgery. Um, two and a half years ago, I've been completely alone, isolated, isolated. That's crazy, man. And <clears throat> what that triggers in me is the mania of the bipolar. And that's what you. Heard. But but now aren't you taking lithium, or or you don't take it? You didn't take it then, or um, I've been taking it for thirty years. I haven't I had a breakdown ever. I've had some negative reactions uh, to some of the stuff. See, I've never had anything negative. Um, so, but in light of that, I mean, for the first time in my bipolar life, I mean, I, I mean I'm 49. I've been bipolar for 49 years. Right, right. You know, I, I can look back on my behavior as a child and I can go, oh my gosh, that's... I know, I know. That's bipolar, I, I, I man. That's thing. what it is. Right. <clears throat> but... For the first time in my long life, 
I'm getting real treatment for it. Oh. Never had it before. I found a physician who met with me and he's and he asked me what every doctor always says, what's going on, dude? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I broke it down. I said, I had a fall. I fractured my skull. It cut my brain and I bled to death. And I'm bipolar. And I'm looking for one doctor to treat all of these things together as one because throughout my whole my life and since my accident i've had a doctor for my brain injury i've had a doctor for my bipolar i've had a different doctor for addiction uh, right 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 but, you know all of these different doctors and nobody could tie it all together but in this a month ago i finally found one guy he goes i can treat your bipolar i can treat your addiction i can treat your brain injury i can treat depression all together as one. So I'm thankful. And how long how long you been seeing this guy? Okay. One month. No. <laughs> and how do you feel? I, I gotta tell you, like it was such a relief to get up and walk out of a doctor's office and go, that guy's gonna figure this out. Oh, I know, man. That guy's gonna figure all this out. It's a beauty. And um I was in there for two hours. Which is, a, that's a long time to see a doctor, right? Yeah. Two hours. And as I got up to leave, he goes, he said, you and I are kind of the same. And I was like, oh God, here it comes. What do you mean? He goes, I too have a traumatic brain injury. Really? What he said. And he goes, I know exactly how to treat it. I said, okay, where do we start? Now, what is a traumatic brain injury? It's just something, your brain, you got hit. It hit hard and the... I fell, whatever. And I hit this part of my head Oof. on the edge of the bathtub. <sighs> and my f skull exploded. So it cut me back here. So, you know, when it cuts you, your blood has to go somewhere. Wow. Right? Right. But if, if it's on your brain, what ends up happening is it just the pressure, it's just pressure builds up, right? It has nowhere to go, it has nowhere to bleed. So <clears throat> what they had to do was, and this is, it's, it's called a craniotomy. <laughs> they drill all the way down. They drilled me here, 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 and here, and then let the blood drain out. Saved my life. Wow. Save my life. You, you remember? You talked to me in the hospital. Well, you were all messed up, bro. <laughs> so did she. I know uh, Vanessa and Kimberly came out, and they wanted me to come out, but I was dying. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> You're okay. I'm, I'm, yeah, off, okay. I'm, I'm all good, man. But I did talk to you. You did talk to me. Yeah, and you were all so after that uh, that surgery, you were all messed. Well, you were just. <sighs> But your life was saved, but you're now you have to deal with that. Barely. Here, here, here's the short story. Is so halfway through the surgery, the neurosurgeon comes out in front of my then wife and most of my family. The doctor said, the surgeon said. I don't think he's going to make it. Damn. 
told my family that Wow! in the middle of the surgery. Why would you, why? I don't know why you would do that. Yeah, well, just, you know, it, just wait until I don't make it and then come out and tell everybody. Yeah, right. So anyway, obviously I survived. So I wake up in the intensive care. I can't talk. I can't walk. It's embarrassing, but I, I can't use the bathroom. Wow. I can't eat. Can't drink. Oh. And I have no memory. So the doctor comes out to my family again and says, obviously, Tyler survived. But the way you see him right now is the way he's going to be. But why would he say that? I don't know. I, I don't know. So I think I was maybe sitting there one day after that. And I get a call from Paula and you. Yeah. That's the only thing I remember. Wow. I don't remember anything else about the whole. The whole time. And, and wow. But I, I just, I remember when my memory started to come back and I'm lying there in the hospital bed and I just made a decision. I am going to survive this. And I started to work really hard at the rehab. Within a week, I was walking again. Okay. Dude, let me tell you something about this dude. If I had a gun right now and I shot him, <laughs> he would survive. And I'm not joking. That's how, that's how Tyler is. So, yeah, I, I worked really hard. Um, I spent about 30 days in ICU. Damn. And then I went to neuro rehab for three months and started my memory started to come back my speech started to come back um you know i i, I was able to like walk without a limp <laughs> and it took four months and can we call that doctor like yeah. right now and i'll tell him that i want to kick his ass i mean what the i mean i know you're a you're a warrior but you're also a survivor so you're two things, right? And you, you know, we'll get into some more stuff, but it's amazing what you've done. I think I've been through a lot. This dude has been through just, it's, it's just phenomenal. It's, it's, it's been an interesting two years of my life. <laughs> that's all I can, that's all I can really say. I mean, I can sit, I can sit here and talk about, <laughs> talk about, what it's really been like for <laughs> right. hours and hours and hours right, and hours. Right. But um, so you survived, you got through that. Then what was, let's just go through the hits. You, you, you got through that. Then what was the next thing that happened? So in the hospital, because of the severity of the injury. Yeah. The doctors ordered that I be put under a medical guardianship. Okay. And if the audience doesn't know what that is. Yeah, I don't know. Britney Spears. Same oh, thing. Oh, that thing, yeah. Okay? okay? That's called a medical guardian. Okay. And if I didn't find one, they were going to make me a ward of the state. And if you know what that means, I don't know that's that. bad. Ward of the state means 
the state takes over all of your finances, oh, sure. your medical. Right, right. They own you. Um, <clears throat> thankfully, um, because my, my, my wife didn't want anything to do with it. Right. Okay. She backed away from that. That's her decision. I respect that. Right. Thankfully, uh, I had a sister who stepped up to the plate and said, I don't want him to be a ward of the state. I'll take over the medical guardian. Okay. However, there's a lot of laws, rules that you have to follow when you're under a medical guardian. I have to live where the guardian lives. Okay. So to go back what I said earlier about one of my mental triggers in my life is isolation. Okay. So here I am. Yeah. I'm in Ohio. <laughs> okay. Not where I want to be. <laughs> right, right, right. My career is not there. No, no, right. You can't act in Ohio. Right. You know, it just doesn't doesn't work that way. So I, I stayed isolated for two years. And I, I struggled. Damn. I really struggled. Now, well, I'm sure there's a lot of there's alcohol involved here that sure. that um, I think we should get into. Yeah. And probably those two years of isolation was a lot of drinking or not much. <laughs> Surprisingly, not much. Oh, really? Only because I was so isolated. Ah. Did it happen? Absolutely. Wow. Um, did I struggle with it? 100%. Yeah, yeah. But I always have. For how long have you been drinking? Since a kid? Or like teenager? Had my first drink at nine years old. Damn, I did too at 10. Wine, red wine. I actually, uh, I've been very open about what my first, everyone, you know, when you're, when you go to these centers or people help, you get always, you get asked the same question and it's what's your DOC, which is an acronym for drug of choice. Uh -huh. Right. Yeah. And people are always surprised. I know what yours is. It's only alcohol. I'm but not it's vodka, right? Yeah. I'm not ashamed of it no um i've come to terms with it but <clears throat> my first drink at nine years old was you know you hear things at school right hey does your dad does he when he drinks the beers and does he get like kind of silly yeah, and da, da, that's, da, 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 that's the conversation yeah, yeah, that starts yeah. the whole thing right and that's how i heard it i heard it in school um one day i think what nine years old i was probably third grade you drank a can or a nope. napa can? <laughs> this is where it gets this is where it goes dark. Oh no. Oh no. <laughs> so somebody at school mm -hmm. said that if you go into your cupboard and there's these little things they're they're called extracts. Vanilla. Orange, oh yeah, yeah, right. Lemon. Right. Some friend, idiot at school said, there's alcohol in there. If you drink it, you'll get funny and silly, da, da, da. So what's the first thing I do when I go home? Of course. I go in the cabinet and my mom had vanilla extract, like from left to right. And I took every one. And exactly what my friends told me would happen, happened. I'm like, whoa, that feels good. That's funny. That's yeah, cool. Yeah. And that's how it started. Damn. And it never stopped. 
but you could function for the most part. Uh, would do you? I mean, from what I remember, you drank like a gallon and a half a day, and you could go do MMA. What I don't know. That's but that's because you're like not human it's not, in a sense. Uh, well, if I drank, you know, if I did it, I, I would be. I can't do anything. It well, just, the, the the term is functioning addict. I mean, that's, yes, yes, that's, that's the term. However, but you could take a lot, is what it was. Until the until the end. Yeah. In the last ten years, it went the other way. Because, you know, you start, you, you become an addict at nine years old. Yeah. Fast forward 40 years. Can't believe it. At some point, you cannot survive it. No. At some point, it will kill you. Yeah. And it has. Yeah. Three times I have flatlined. Wow. And nobody knows that. I'm saying it right here for the first time. Three times. Three times I, I have I, I, I flatlined and they brought me back. From alcohol? Yep. Oh my goodness. That's, that's, that's a miracle. Twice from poisoning. Yeah. Once from withdrawal. Because a lot of people don't know this. Like, when, like I mentioned earlier, a lot of other addicts, who, I, have, I have friends who are addicts, right? They ask me, what's your DOC, your drug of choice? And when I say only alcohol, they laugh because no one's ever heard of somebody who only drinks. They're like, wait, you don't do heroin? You don't do meth? Right. You're not a crackhead? I go, no. And they go, only alcohol. And, I, and then, I, and then I, the conversation goes on and I say to them, do you know how poisonous? Yeah only alcohol is you say i'm i only drink i go let me tell you about it poison twice withdrawal once alcohol is one of the only things mm -hmm. that you can withdraw from die from withdrawing wow not, i didn't know not a lot of people know that i didn't know that yep it's when you're withdrawing it's what does it feel like oh like, my gosh oh tell me what does it feel like Not a lot of people have experienced, it's called delirium tremors, DTs. You've heard the term DT before, correct? Yeah, but I had tremors, nothing like this, but when, and it's the first time it happened during the pandemic with anxiety, I was like this. And I'm like, what? It's the same, it's the same thing. But what the fuck is that? But somebody told me that's a good thing that you're getting things out. I don't think it's a good thing. It's horrific. It killed me because- Stop. I'll just say it, man. I'll just say it. Yeah, say it. It's what caused my fall. Oh. I, I was going through delirium tremors. Right. By myself, completely alone, which is deadly. Can't do it. You profusely sweating, but you're cold. Mm -hmm. Migraine headache. Mm -hmm. Aspirin doesn't take it away. Mm-hmm. Shaking, mm -hmm. can't sleep. No, can't sleep. Zero hours of sleep. Zero. 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 Can't walk. Can't walk. 
And that's what happened. I tried to, I was vomiting. Damn, dude. And because I didn't, I wanted to avoid vomiting on myself, lying in bed. Right. I, I got to the bathroom. I found a way. But as the days went on, because it doesn't, it's not hours, it's days. Yeah, yeah. Bipolar is kind of the same. Yeah. The yeah. mania part yeah. is kind of the same as delirium tremors. And but I never had tremors with my manic. I've had three nervous breakdowns. Never tremors. First time in the pen. Like, I, I was, and that freaked me out more. But what is that, Ty? Is it, is it terrible? Is it what? I don't, I, Paula's like, he's going to be all right. Everything's going to be all right. <laughs> but I'm like, I'm like, what the fuck do you mean it's going to be all right? And I'm like this. And she, what, what is, what did they say that is, Ty? <clears throat> Here's what it is. When you poison yourself that way. Yours is poison, but poison. that might stop poison. I know. Right. When you continue to feed yourself something that your body is trying to reject. Ah, yes. And you keep giving it, keep giving it and keep giving yes. it. And then you just cut it off. Yeah. Your body says to you, right. your brain, where is it? Why did you take it away yeah. from me? Yeah. Delirium tremors. That's what happens next. Your body starts to shake because you don't have it. You start to throw up because you can't take. I mean, you, your body is saying, you were feeding me this for days and, and days yeah. and days and days. And now you cut me off. I'm pissed off. And I'm going to reject you. That's what happens. So in, in your situation, it's the withdrawal of the alcohol. In my situation, it's my own thoughts telling me, now you fucked up. Yep. Because now I'm taking you to this place. And you can't stop this shaking shit. And I'm going to scare the hell out of you. <clears throat> and to tie it into this, into mental health, let me explain how it's similar to bipolar. Yeah. Um, you know, I've been treating, trying to treat bipolar for years and years and years and years. And sometimes you get a good doctor and most of the times you get somebody who's just kind of like, huh? Yeah, I know. <laughs> so with this recent physician, he asked me to explain bipolar in my own words. And I said, it's the same. I, tr I treat my, when it happens, it's the same as when I am doing a scene. Yeah, 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 yeah. Nothing's good enough. And he goes, well, what do you mean? I go, Here, here's what bipolar mania means to me. I wake up in the morning, and as soon as my feet hit the ground, I go, here it comes. I can feel it coming, the mania. Yeah. And I can't stop it. Yeah, I know. And he goes, well, well what do you do for that day? And I go, I'll start a project at my house. <laughs> and I won't stop yeah. until it's over. Yeah. And I said, some people would think that that's motivation. I go, but here's how it ends. It's not healthy motivation. No. I'll do the project. I'll start in the morning. I'll finish it at night. I'll look at it. And I'll say, it's shit. And start over. Yeah. That's bipolar me. Yeah, that's the pro over and over and over. Over yeah, and over yeah, yeah, and yeah. over and over. And he's like, well, how, 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 how does that coincide with your acting career? And I said, just let me tell you. I said, I've been on the same show for over 20 years. 
playing the same character. And I go, every time I finish a scene, I go down, I sit in my dressing room, and I tell myself how terrible it was and wish that I could go up and do it again. I said, I've been doing that for 20 years. Over and over and over. You had to and break that thought over. process, bro. It's horrible. It's, it's horrible. And he and and the doctor looked at me, especially as good as you are. And it's he ridiculous. said, and he said, "Yeah, that's that's bipolar." <laughs> and I go, "Okay, so how do we fix it?" And just the fa- just the fact, and this is just recent that I've started to recognize the behavior. Yeah, I can kind of shut it down a little bit good wow wow because my my best friend one of my best friends who knows me very very well she'll just call me on it and she'll say bipolar's coming (laughs) (laughs) and i go really is it and she goes yeah and then she goes over she reiterates the behavior that i'm experiencing yeah and she goes do you recognize it and the fact, and I can finally look at it and go, yeah, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. I got to shut it down. If you stop the triggers, here's the way I, I say, how do you prevent bipolar, anxiety, anything? Just stop before it comes. That's how you prevent it. Because once it hits, hits, you're done. You're, you're, you, know, uh, you know, for me during the pandemic, I had four months of nightmare, but then I went to professional help. And got Lexapro, saved my life. Lexapro. Lexapro, right? Yeah, I know, I know that one. Uh, but you got to know your triggers and you got to, you know, so that way it doesn't, I say it's like first, second, third, fifth gear, whatever. You got to always stay in first and second gear. If you start going to third, little, don't go to fourth and don't go to obviously fifth. Yeah. And, since I've been, I, I mean, I I literally study bipolar, because yeah, I, I do. Yeah. Because I want to figure it out. I don't want to. I don't want to spend the yeah. rest of my life like this. Yeah. And unfortunately, when I started to research it, <laughs> over ninety percent of people with bipolar are also addicts. Wow. So I started to research that. And the, the, the spot in your brain for you and me yeah. that triggers our bipolar yeah. is the same spot that addicts have. Same spot. Oh, yeah. It, I know that if I were drinking or drugs, I, I'd be dead. That's why I can't. I, it's amazing, but it's hard to believe that you're not dead. <laughs> but you're not human. Like I said, you're super human. You're what is it, Superman. Um, but no, I know that if I had anything else to compound it. Yeah. And, and you know, also having had a traumatic brain injury, the doctor. Told, oh, my God. I the, know. The doctor told me, he said. You will, are never going to be 100 percent healed from this. I still have side effects to this day. Of course. I mean, I can talk again. I can remember things. Yeah. I can perform. I, you know, it, it's it's not about that. But I still get headaches. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, I got the scars. I, I mean, he just he, the doctor told me he said, compound the fact that you were also a recovering addict, 
if you decide to go back to that part of your life again, your brain can't handle it. Yeah. Damn. It can't, it just, it can't handle it. And I said, okay. Um, <laughs> there's two more things I want to talk about. And if there's anything else you want to talk about, we will. Okay. That you can just tell me and we'll just talk. Um, I want to talk about, because I'm just curious, how, how, how does it feel when you were let go from GH and Days of Our Lives? Yep. I, I needed to bring that up just because I, I'm very curious how that must have devastated you. Or, or were you just so out of it that you, how was, how does that happen? No, it, it it crushed me. Yeah. It crushed me because I took for granted the one thing I love the most. Can I just stop right now before you go on? This is one of the most, the, the beautiful part about this whole interview for me is that you're humble. And you're not blaming any, you know, a lot of times this, this would happen, blame this, blame. you're not in that space. So I'm sorry to interrupt you. I just needed to say that because I felt it. So, yeah. So go ahead and crush you. <clears throat> for, it was devastating for a myriad of reasons. One, the thing that I love the most. Yeah. Was taken away. Yeah. Two, I threw it away. Yeah. Nobody, nobody took it away from me. I dropped it. Yeah. Okay. And, you know, having to walk out those doors under that circumstance was like, wow, this is for real, dude. Wow. This is for real. And, you know, I haven't been back since. No. <laughs> you know, that ship has sailed. Yeah. Well, we, for, for now. For now, for, yeah. You know, that, that ship has sailed. But, you know. But at least you know it's not anybody's fault but your own. It's all me, dude. It's like I was talking to somebody a couple of days ago about you and how you know it's easy to put blame on everybody but the reality is with my wife let's say if i didn't take my medication i don't think she'd be with me right now because i threatened to kill her but i want help so i got help but if i didn't get the help i i couldn't blame her from after a while saying I can't anymore, right? Yeah, and my pride and ego were very quick to intervene. Of course. Who can I blame for of this? Of course, man. Yeah. And I when I looked in the mirror, there's only one person to point the finger at. That's it. That's right it, here, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. Right here. That's right. And even after that, though, the pride still creeps in. Yeah, 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 sure. Still comes in like, 
you're fine. You're, you're, you're good. You're a good actor. You'll be fine. Yeah, you'll go yeah. back. Everything will be fine. People will forgive you and you will move on. Right. Doesn't always work that way. No. And, and I have the, my ego. I've worked my ass off on my ego. Ego's a killer. For me, it, it's the worst. It's a killer, man. It's the, it's the, <laughs> it's the killer, you know, man. thinking, worrying, you know, why is that person got that way? It just, it just never stopped with me. So I understand ego. Yeah. And, and, when it when everything happened, even with the fall, yeah, which was a direct result of bad behavior, yeah. I I remember blaming my wife. Where were you? If you were here, yeah, yeah, in the room yeah. with me, I wouldn't have fallen. Yeah, of course, that's ego, that's pride, yes, and that's a killer. Yes, it is a killer, and. <clears throat> You know, it's 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 difficult for me to point a finger at a loved one like that, like because yeah. had the the circumstances re reversed and she were me and I were her, hell, I'd have left too. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I would have left my ass. That's what right I'm there. saying, man. <laughs> I mean, I scared the hell out of Paula, but only once. Did I do it? But I scared the hell out of her. So I would not blame her later if I kept doing that, not taking my lithium, throwing on the ground, whatever. Um, so the, the last thing I want to talk is we've been, we've been going, this has been just talking, talking, talking. <laughs> the homeless part. Yeah. I w I'm going to, I'm going to ask you so many, I just, so. Ask away, man. Yeah. What? What I have, listen. I have such compassion for people who are homeless. I saw this old man once, he was homeless, and he came to the, the, the car and he's like, Hey, come on. And I said, Yeah, buddy. I said, What's, what's going on with you? He goes, I'm bipolar. I said, Oh, I'm bipolar. So I saw him, Ed, because I was going to GH every every day, every morning I'd see him on the corner. And I said, uh, he goes, yeah, I write, I'm a good writer. So I, and I draw and stuff. So I said, give me your, your drawings. They were great, right? Because he's by, he's. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then I said, what size shoe do you wear? And I went and bought him some shoes. <laughs> and he was so appreciative. And then I never saw him again, you know? So I, I just want to know what, what, okay. what it's like, brother. I know. Sorry, this is. I know this one's gonna be tough. That's where it goes for me. Humbling. Oh yeah. You know medical guardianship in Ohio. I got on the train from Ohio to here. I thought I had a place to live. I showed up at Union Station, downtown Los Angeles. And I called the gentleman that I was supposed to stay with. For whatever reason, and I, to this day, I still don't know why. He said, 
I'm sorry, but you can't come here. So I'm sitting in, sitting in Union Station. I got nowhere to go. A lot of my friends had left me after my injury. I had no one to call. So I started walking. And I kept going and going and going. I got my suitcases. Damn. My backpack. No money. Because I got robbed in Chicago. Took my phone, my credit cards, my ATM, my wallet, everything gone. I had no money, no food, no water, no place to lay my head, nowhere to go. So I just kept walking. And so I look up. I finally get somewhere. I don't know where I'm at. I get somewhere, I look up, I start looking around, and then I realize where I was. Skid Row. So that's where I lived. Listen. For how long did you Two weeks. People spend, again, this oh, is yeah. not poor me because no. people spend years yeah, yeah. down sure, there. For sure. Live forever, yeah. So <clears throat> finally, after a couple of weeks, I decided if I'm going to die, it ain't going to be here. So I started walking again. And I walked and I walked and I walked. I don't know how I got to where I where I was, but I ended up on Hollywood and Vine. Oh wow. Which is not a great area. Nah. <laughs> okay. Nah. And I parked it right there. And I laid there for a few days and I made another decision and I said, if I'm gonna die, it's not gonna be on the walk of fame. <laughs> Hollywood and Vine. So I started walking again. So I walked from Hollywood all the way to Toluca Lake, which is six miles. And so I get there and I find a bench and I park it again. Four days, another four days. Do you talk to people at this point? Like, there's no, because oh. my phone was stolen. But at, at that point, I had been on the streets for so long. I'm dirty. Um, my hair is just, I, right, I, mean, I, right. look, I look like a homeless man. Yeah, yeah, right. And I'm also sunburnt. So my face is bright red, burnt. I look terrible. So people start talking to you because they, they, they know that you're struggling. Yeah. So, yeah, I talk to other homeless people. Yeah. I, uh, again, it, it, it's, it's important that I make sure this is not a poor me. It's not. I brought not. it on myself. Yeah, of course. You're just telling story. Your story. I. So you were on that bench. Ate from the trash. 
You ate from the trash. Wow. For three days. That's how I ate. So finally, the one thing I did have was my, this is the irony of this whole story. I had my computer. I didn't have a phone. Oh, you had your computer. I had my computer. <laughs> but I lost the charger. So it was coming down to the very <laughs> bottom. But where I was, there was a Starbucks next to me. So I juiced off their internet. Damn. So I had an, enough battery in my computer to send one message. So I sent one text message to a dear friend. And I said, I'm not asking you to go out of your way and come save me. But here's where I'm at. And I gave him the address. Three days later, I'm laying on that bench. And, you know, having been a man who has passed away before, yeah, I can feel it coming again. I know what it feels like. Yeah, yeah, sure. So I'm laying there on the bench, sunburnt, like beet red. And I'm going, God, I, I, I said out loud, God, if you want to take me, do it now. But no more of this. It's got to stop. Not five minutes later, I hear, Tyler? Tyler? That's beautiful, man. And I turn over, and my buddy is in the driver's seat of his car going, I've been looking everywhere for your ass. <laughs> really? And he saved me. He got me a hotel room. that I spent for three days until I could find another place to stay. Wow. Save my life. But he couldn't believe what he was looking at. Of course. You know, because he's used to this guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? No, yeah. But when, when, when a good friend looks at you, a homeless man, a guy that he used, you know, has known his whole life, and all of a sudden, that's what he sees. It's a different, it's a different ball game, man. But faith is a big part of of my everything that I've been through, mm -hmm. and I think that moment you had was a beautiful moment uh, because I always believed that with bipolar and things that I, it's like God and the devil fighting each other, and most of the time God wins, and then there are moments when. The devil wins, obviously. So for me, faith is very important, just like that moment you just said. And um, faith is kind of the something, it's evidence that it's unseen. It's evidence that you believe in that's not there, right? But it's, it, I think it's, when, like I had this conversation with my son. You need to believe in something whether it's God, whether it's this, because we can't do it alone. In these, like what you experienced, what I've experienced, it's difficult, man, to do it alone. Something else has to. Yes. And I'm with you on that because I don't believe in coincidences. I don't either, no. I'm laying on a bench yeah. in Toluca Lake, dying. And I asked God, if you want to take me, do it now. Don't wait until tomorrow. And then a friend, then that's a it. friend pulls right. up in his car. Right. 
and right. yells out my name? Of course. That's faith. That's faith. I mean, what a burden it is to believe that we can do this alone. It's a hell of a burden that I don't want. No, no, no. And to, to know that Ty is my friend, and this is what I'm feeling, that he, that he had to go through all this, it hurts me. But I'm proud to see that he's in front of me and doing well. Um, tell me about this. You, you're going to be writing a book, or you're in the process with my writer, uh, New York Times bestselling writer, uh, <laughs> uh, Sue, Sue Black, Sue. who's a great writer. She writes movies. First book written. Very successful. Yeah. So go ahead. What's, tell me about that. <clears throat> when, you know, I started writing this myself. And I quickly realized after I met Sue, is that I can't do it. It's too personal. Mm -hmm. It's too personal. And the only thing that she asked me to do, she said, I'm going to help you with this. She said, I only have one request. Rule, she even said. Full disclosure. And I said, go on. <laughs> she said, you lie to me, I'm out. All right. And I said, you have my word. I said, and then I start, and, that, and that's when I started to tell her the same story that I just told you. Yeah. And her eyes kept getting yeah. bigger, 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 bigger. And I go, do you want me to keep going? And she said, yes. And she asked me to do something, and I'm still working on it because I'm struggling with it. She said, I want you to create a timeline. When this struggle with mental health started mm -hmm. until today. So I started. And as I'm starting to write it and write it and write it, I can feel the anxiety started mm. to swell inside yeah. me because I started to write things that I didn't even know was apparent myself. Like things started to come up in my life. I'm like, oh my gosh, you felt that way? It hurt that bad? Yeah, yeah. And I'm struggling with it because I'm literally creating a timeline. 1998, 1999, 2000, 2001, yeah, two, three, yeah, four, five, yeah. and I go on and on and on. And all of these things yeah. that I have put myself through is really hard to come to terms with. Yeah. Because no one has forced me to do anything in my life. Influenced, perhaps. Right. But no one is to blame for anything no. that has happened to me, including homeless. Yeah. Okay. The person that I was supposed to go live with when I got here, he had, for, for whatever reason, he didn't want me to come there. 
and he pulled out in, at the last minute. But if I really have to look at it, I didn't have a place to live when I came out here because of what I put myself through. Right, right. It's not his fault. No. Um, so what the, the, the main goal of, of, of this book is, is to not get the story out so that people can feel sorry for me. No, no. One reason for another addict, another guy or gal with bipolar to read that and say to themselves, I'm like that too. Of course. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with it. Mm -mm. And I can get help or they can get help. Yeah. Yeah. That's my number one goal. Yeah. It's not so the general hospital fans can read it and go, that's what happened to him. Right. Right. I don't care about that. Yeah. You know, I mean, they're all going to watch this. Of course. And they're going to know, they're going to go, oh, I heard about sort of what happened, but that's the truth. Yeah, that's the that's the the great thing about a book or this. You just get the truth out because so much is speculation and a lot of people are negative. A lot of people have their own narrative. This is just the truth and you got it out and now they know. And if they like you, they like you. If they don't like you, they don't like you. So anyway, Ty, I'm, I'm so proud of you, brother. So proud of you for your life, for your story. Um, I'll help you do anything you need. Honored to be a guest, man. Yeah, it's it's it was just like it wasn't an interview. It was just talking, man. And and I just let you talk because you with great actors, you just they tell stories and you let them, you know. And I appreciate it, brother. Thanks, bro. All right, thank you. Thank you for joining me for another episode. Please be sure to download, subscribe, and leave a review.